0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians chapter 4, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: You know that Paul was pointing out, we talked about this, pointing out the benefits of being in the family of God. Are you listening? Talking about the benefits of being in the family of God. And we talked about the fact that we have been adopted as children, adult children of God, and that we are heirs of the blessings of God. And as heirs, we have received and we enjoy full blessings and sonship, and might I add, daughtership, if you will. And that being the case, then why would anyone in their right mind want to go back to living like a slave? Well, chapter 4, I want you to peek at it. Chapter 4, verse 9. Go ahead and peek at it. In chapter 4, verse 9. But now after you have known God, Paul says, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? So it was up to this point now, listen, in Galatians, that Paul, remember I told you that Paul has been in a section here in Galatians that is incredibly doctrinal, incredibly theological in nature. Up until now, Paul has been defending or the defender and a fighter for the faith. Well, today, beginning. In chapter 4, verse 12, Paul's not going to be a defender and fighting for the faith. We're going to see Paul the man. We're going to see Paul the passionate lover of souls. We're going to see Paul the pastor, the shepherd, the minister. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Get your pen, get your pad, get your Bible, get your heart. I'm going to talk to you about Paul and the ministry. Paul the minister And I want to give you today our outline we're going to work from, five characteristics of a true minister. Five characteristics of a true minister. If you're taking notes, listen, a true minister becomes like the people he is ministering to. We are going to talk about that and find that in verse 12. Number two, talking about a true minister, he shares the gospel despite physical infirmity. We'll find that in verses 13 through verse 15. And then thirdly, a true minister speaks the truth in the face of rejection. I like that. A true minister speaks the truth in the face of rejection. And then fourthly, a true minister doesn't serve, somebody help me, You're going to find that in verses 17 and 18. And then finally, we'll talk about today very easy. A true minister is in ministry for the long haul. We'll find that in verse 19. A true minister becomes like the people he is ministering to. He shares the gospel despite physical infirmity. He speaks the truth even in the face of rejection. A true minister doesn't serve himself. And then finally, we'll talk about a true minister is in ministry. He's in it for the long haul. That's what we're going to talk about today in Galatians chapter four. We will pick up in verse 20 and uh, pardon me, 12. And then we will read to verse 20. Come back and have some comments. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Galatians chapter four, beginning in verse 12. Brethren or sisterin. I don't like to leave the ladies out. You're welcome. I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me, and you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus Himself. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that, if possible, Note this, underline this in your Bibles, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You know, couldn't you ask that to a bunch of your friends? Have I then become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, they. Who are they? Somebody help me. They who? The Judaizers. They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in good things always. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, verse 19, for whom I labor in birth, underline this, again until Christ is formed in you. I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Remember, we have been talking about and the book of Galatians, are you listening? This is not hard. This is easy. The book of Galatians Is written because Paul, as I told you, he has been a defender. He has been a fighter. Who has he been defending? Defending himself against. Who has he been fighting? He has been fighting the Judaizers. You will not find this word Judaizer in the Bible. This is a term throughout history that we have used to classify these group of men who were coming into the church... Behind the ministry of Paul, as Paul would go into the region of Galatia, do I need to remind you, Galatia is not a church. Calvary Chapel is a church. Galatia is a territory. It's a region. And in the region, in the territory of Galatia, there are many churches. So Paul would go into the region or the territory of Galatia. And he would plant churches. He would work hard among these believers in these churches to establish them. Are you listening? In grace. To establish them grace. G-R-A-C-E. I like to say God's riches at Christ's expense. There you go. There's an acronym. G-R-A-C-E. Paul would go into these churches churches into this region to establish these believers in the grace of God and they would be established in grace Paul would tell them listen you're not saved because you deserve to be saved you're saved because Jesus came and died for you even while you were yet sinners Christ died for you don't you understand Paul would tell them, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Don't you understand that God loved you for God so loved the world that he gave? That's all grace. Paul takes this message of grace and establishes these churches. Paul would leave and go to another location. Y'all still tracking with me? Paul would leave and go to another location and give them the same message. And these Judaizers would come behind Paul and say, yeah, 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 yeah. We understand grace and you're right and Paul's right. But also you need to be circumcised. If you're going to be a real Christian and you're truly going to be a Christian and truly love God, then you need to be circumcised and you also need to keep the laws of Moses. And when Paul heard about this, he was livid. He was angry and he said to the church of Galatia, who has bewitched you? Who has seduced you? Who has put a spell on you that you should so soon be removed from the grace by which you stand? Who's done this to you? So these Judaizers would go behind Paul with another message telling these Christian Galatians that in order to be a real Christian, you have to keep the laws of Moses. And then Paul began to point out as we gathered the last time, he laid it out for them 2,000 years of Jewish history to prove that no man was ever justified by keeping the law. No man was ever justified by keeping the law. We were always justified by faith because God had made a covenant and God made a promise to Abraham that all who believe are justified with believing Abraham. And just because the law came after the promise, it doesn't nullify the promise. And we are heirs of the promise because we are justified because we believe like Abraham believed. Do you understand? You come to faith by believing. If you understand that, say amen. You come to faith by believing. You don't come to faith by doing anything. Anything. Hmm. You don't come to faith by being baptized. Some folk think they are Christians because they've been baptized. You're not a Christian because you've been baptized. What you are is wet. <laughs> wave at me, my people. Just wait. Just, just do it for my sake. You're not a Christian because you tithe. You're not a Christian for any other reason but that the fact that you believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's it, baby. That's it. Nothing, honey. Nothing. No more. That's it. Believe. That's it. That sounds too easy. I don't know about you, but I'm glad it's easy. Because I can't deal with a lot. Pastor tired. I can't deal with a lot. I need it easy. God said just believe. That's it. So all of that, are you getting my point? Are you getting me? All of that, Paul has been establishing these churches in Galatia. The theology, deep theology, high theology, and doctrine. And now all of a sudden, Paul just breaks, and now we hear the heart of a pastor. That's how a pastor is. A pastor will give it to you and give you doctrine and help you to understand deep things of God if he can, but then that pastor's heart begins to just bleed through and it begins to come back to the heart of a pastor, to the heart of a ministry, to the heart of the ministry and the heart of a minister. And that's what we see here. So Paul begins now to move to The heart of the ministry, the heart of a pastor. Point number one in our outline, a true pastor becomes like the people he is ministering to. I want you to look at verse 12 again. Brethren, notice verse 12. I urge you to become like me, for I become like you. Do you see it? Now, this is a difficult statement for theologians because the tenses in the Greek language are a little confusing and even some are misleading. Actually, this verse could be translated many ways, could be translated, become as I am for I also as you, brethren, I beg you. It could be translated, become like me. Paul could be saying, become like me because I was once like you. Paul could be saying, become like me because I am like you. He could be saying, become like me because I became like you. We don't know. But what we do know is that he is simply saying he wishes that they were more like him in example because he was once like them. Remember, he is talking to the Judaizers, and what he means is when he says, I was once like you, he means that I was once a strict law keeper. And he said it himself. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul laid it out for you. Paul said, hey, (laughs) I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, blameless. Circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, I kept the law. He says, But what things were counted to me in Philippians chapter 3, read it in your own time. He says, But what things were counted to me, those things I count lost. And yea, do I still count them lost for the excellency of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I count those things as dung. They all mean nothing. Paul says, I used to be like that. Paul says when he came to Galatia, he was wearing what I like to call the garments of freedom in Christ. For so many years, Paul was a slave and in the bondage to law and on the road to Damascus. Don't you know your Bible? Hmm? Acts chapter nine, on the road to Damascus, Paul set God, set Paul free and now Pastor Paul wants the same freedom that he enjoyed to be enjoyed by the Galatian believers. And he doesn't want them to go back under the law like slaves. Like a pastor, Paul loves them. Like a pastor, Paul cares for them. Can I go one step further? Paul even likes them. (laughs) You ever hear people say that? "I, I, I love you, but I don't like you. I'm like, would you tell me what that means? I don't even know. What, is, what does that mean? I love you, but I don't, I don't like you. Well, wait a minute. How can you love me and not like me? Well, why don't I tell you something? I don't even like you. <laughs> I love you, but I don't even like you. Paul likes them. Pastor Paul likes them. Do you know something? And you'll find this to be interesting. There are a lot of ministers People in the pulpits of America today that don't like people. It's true, isn't it? They don't they don't like people. I've talked to them and they have told me they said they like to preach and they like to teach, but they don't like people. I said, well, why don't you go down to the veterinarian place and preach to the animals or something? What do you mean you don't like people? You know, somebody once said the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. You mean you don't like people? You have to like people. Paul loved this church, these believers. Paul cared for them. He liked them. He loved them. He said, I urge you to become like me and follow my example. Christian, listen, if you hear nothing else, I, look, if you're sleepy, go sleep after I say this. I mean it. You are an example, period, cut and dry, period. You are an example. The question is, what kind of example are you? Are you a good example? Are you a bad example of a believer? You know, some people, they're a bad example of a believer. Listen, if you're not going to be a good example of a believer, please do us all a favor. Don't tell anybody you're a believer. Just live the way you want to live, but don't tell anybody you're a believer. Just keep, like, be a closet Christian. It's okay. I'm serious. Don't tell anybody. Because when you tell people you're a Christian, then they expect you to act like one. And they have every reason to expect you to act like one. And and it is fair for them to expect you to act. You're saying that you follow Christ. The word Christian means to be Christ-like. It means to follow Christ. It means to be an imitator of Christ. So when you tell people I'm a Christian, in effect, you are saying, I live my life in imitation of Christ. Now, if you are living your life that is contrary to that imitation of Christ, then you are hurting the cause of Christ. You are hurting the name of Christianity, and you're adding to the pool of people who say, I don't want to be a Christian because all Christians are hypocrites. Has anybody, has you ever, ever heard that? Anybody? Three people? Okay, a little bit more. I don't want to be a Christian. All the Christians are hypocrites. They're all hypocrites. I don't want to go to church because the cri- hypocrites. Well hypocrites. Listen, let's just get real. Isn't everyone in some way a hypocrite? You go, I don't, I don't want to go to church. I, there ain't nothing, nobody at church but hypocrites. I'm like, well, come join us and we'll have one more. (laughs) Thank you. you. (laughs) So what? Everybody has a little hypocrisy somewhere. I mean, okay, I won't go there. I won't go there. But we're an example. Paul says, I'm an example. And not only was Paul an example, but get this, Paul was not afraid to set himself up as an example, watch this, to follow. Now, that's different. You're an example, that's one thing. But are you an example to follow? In other words, listen, could you say to someone, I live my life in such a way that, are you listening? Huh? I live my life in such a way that you can follow me around all day and I'm going to be a good witness for Christ. Ouch. I don't even know if I can say that, honestly. I mean, I, I don't want you to follow me around all day. You're getting on my nerves. You need to go somewhere. Don't you got something to do? Follow me around all day long. It's like, ooh, I need my space. Give my 36 or a few blocks, something. Can people watch your life, look at your life, follow your life day after day for one week and your life would speak of Christ? Paul says, my life, I'm an example and I'm an example that, I can, that you can follow in 1 Corinthians chapter four, memory verse, verse 16. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers or imitate me. Therefore, I urge you. Imitate me, first Corinthians four sixteen. Here's one for you to write down first Corinthians eleven verse one. Be ye followers of me even as I also follow can you help me? Christ. Philippians chapter three verse seventeen, write that down. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which also which walk so as I have for an example. Look at them. You know, talking about an example, you know, I believe, listen, saints, I believe that unbelievers need to see Christianity in reality. Can you say a better amen than that? Unbelievers need to see us Christians as normal people with normal problems, with normal life situations. And then they can also see how we Christians with normal problems, with normal life situations, with normal circumstances, they get to see how God gets us through these trials. They they get to see how God gets us through circumstances. They get to see us go through the fire and they get to see us come out of the fire and we haven't been burned. We don't even smell like smoke, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get to see... Your life and what you go through. Listen to me, and it glorifies, glorifies God. You see, what, what what happens is, we as Christians we act like we don't go through anything. We act like we're holier than thou, and because we give into the pressure of people saying, well, if you're a Christian, your life should be perfect, and and if you're a Christian, you should never have problems, and if you have problems, or if you have sickness, or if there's anything wrong, then there must be sin in your life, there must be some bad... The church has bought into this idea of bad karma. Huh. I didn't say that first and second, I wish I had. The church has bought into the idea of bad karma well, you know what? You deserve what you got. I mean, you've done something wrong, so you deserve what you're getting right now. And if you hadn't done those things, your life would be better. I mean, if you weren't in sin, these things wouldn't be happening. Well, you know what? Sometimes God will use a bad situation in your life and allow you to go through the fire just so you can come out unscathed, unburned, don't smell like smoke, so people can look at you and say, hey, how did you get through that? Then you get an opportunity to, to share the gospel with Jesus, you, about Jesus, you get an opportunity to tell them, listen, I didn't get myself through it. God did it. You get that opportunity. But if you never go through anything, this is why I wholeheartedly, with every fiber of who I am, I reject the idea that Christians should never go through trial. I reject that. It's not biblical. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, yes. Oh, here's a memory verse, a promise for you. Yea, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus. Somebody help me. Shall shall suffer persecution. I knew y'all knew it. Y'all just was trying to... Y'all didn't want to show anybody up. I, I, I know. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution.